Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Prayer is not fancy words. Quite often I hear people say to me, well, I don't know how to pray. I've never prayed out loud. I don't know what you're doing. If you don't know how to pray, here's a very interesting way to learn it. Turn to any passage in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where Jesus and the disciples are talking. That's prayer. Jesus was God. Later we'll say Peter says to Jesus, well, Jesus, how did that tree get dead? That's prayer. It's conversation with God. Imagine your best friend lives across the country, so you usually speak by phone. Every week you unburden your frustrations and share your blessings. After years of communication, your friend needs to confess something. All this time, he's been setting the phone down in order to catch up on little jobs around the house. You realize then that you had been doing all the talking. In prayer, we may do a lot of the talking, but it's just as important that we hear from the Lord. Ask Him to reveal His heart to you. He has a lot of things He needs you to know. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verse 17, for part two of our message entitled, Talking to God. Now, you say, well, is money not a part of the church? Yes, it is. How do we finance this? How do we finance all these things? Well, you do it God's way. And God's way is always free will giving by people of their tithes and offerings out of their heart. Never forced, never hyped, never pre-programmed. You say, well, does it work? Look around you this morning. No thermometers, no envelope with your name, nothing wrong with that, that's the way you want to do it. Just a time to get, no hype, you know, I have money this week, would you please give double, triple offering today? You see, we believe here, where God guides, He always provides. And when we stand up and show the world we have a God who can provide, they're going to go, wow. You mean I'm not going to be hyped? No, you will never be hyped for money in a Calvary Chapel and many other wonderful churches. Look at verse 17. Now after all this happened, the disciples were shocked, but the people were really shocked. They probably went, right on, get that guy in a corner and then just rip me off. They loved it. And Jesus said, whoops, I better do something here. And you see what he does in verse 17. And as he taught them, notice, as he taught them, he said, is it not written... My house will be called a house of prayer for who? All nations. Well, who is it? It's Jew and Gentile. And then he says, but you have made it a den of robbers. Now, a den of robbers meant a lot in those days. It doesn't mean anything to us, really. But from Jericho, Jerusalem was a horrible stretch of road where people were always getting robbed. They knew exactly what he said. 
So he's saying this. This is supposed to be a place of prayer, a place of worship. But you've made it like the road from Jericho to Jerusalem. People walk down here, they probably said, we made it down to Jerusalem without getting ripped off on that Jericho road to walk in the church and get ripped off. And he says, this is a shame. Notice that Jesus does something very important there. Number one, he teaches. You see, when you don't know the reason for something, those people didn't understand what Jesus had done. Why did you do that? What is the reason? And Jesus is going to say this. Well, the reason I did that, this hall is not being used for the purpose God designed it. Well, how do you know that? Well, how do I know that? He taught from, and he said, is it what? Not written. So he goes back to the book of Isaiah, which said in the Isaiah, it was a prophecy in the old days. If you want to write that down, you can write it down. It's uh, Isaiah 56, 7. We're not going there this morning. I would like you to turn to 1 Kings, though, in your Bible. Try to find 1 Kings, Old Testament, quickly. Keep your finger there, Mark. We'll be right back. What Jesus was saying was that Isaiah had said, as he looked ahead in prophecy, that God wanted a people for the whole world. He just didn't want the Jews. He wanted a people for all nations. And his places of worship should be opened indeed to them. Now notice what Jesus does, which I think is very important for you and I. Jesus takes a stand on the word of God. The stand he takes is very, very unpopular with the religious leaders. They hate him for what he's doing. But Jesus says, wait a minute, let's go back to what the Bible says. And God's word said this court of the Gentiles, plus as we move in here, should be a place of prayer and worship. Not a place of circus and ripoff, a place of worship. So he says to the religious leaders, you are at fault. How many of our religious leaders today are at fault? You see, sheep follow very easily. So Jesus was saying to them, a scathing, really, rebuke. You don't even know why you're supposed to be. You're the leader. You don't have any idea what you're doing here. So he's saying to those leaders, wait a minute. I'm taking a stand. The word of God is true, and you are wrong. As we approach end times, we're going to take a stand many times in the truth of God's word. It's going to be more unpopular every single day. Our country's in a mess. Our world's in a mess. And there's only one thing that's going to change them, and that's the Word of God. So no matter if the stand is popular or unpopular, we will stand on the principles of the Word of God. Now, why do we teach here? Just the same reason Jesus taught. Because teaching opens people's eyes. It explains the wonderful truths of God's Word. So if you come here, you won't be preached at all. Sometimes I get into whatever. But you'll be taught the Word of God. And you can go home and go, wow, that's what it says. That's what it means. I can do it in my life. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing. The temple was to be a place of purity, power, and prayer for all people. Now, a thousand years before where we are in the Bible right now, King Solomon, where you see there in 1 Kings chapter 8, 1 Kings chapter 8, King Solomon is, is dedicating the first temple that he has created to God. And we see in verse 8 a wonderful thing. It says, When the priests withdrew from the holy place, in verse 10, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord. 
And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. So God had built this temple. The one we're studying this morning, by the way, is the second temple. The first one was destroyed. This is the second. By the way, there's a third one coming. But this is the first temple. And here's what happened. Picture outside here of the people. You're all out there. And this is the first magnificent temple given to God. They'd just taken the holies of ark into the holies of holies. It was there. The priests are there. The priests are giving prayers like this. And all of a sudden, the priests are talking like... And the glory of the Lord fills the temple. And they can't even talk. Because the holiness... Remember we sing a song? Your holiness surrounds me. And they didn't start jerking away. They just couldn't talk. And it says the people outside saw it as a fire coming down on the temple. And you know what Chronicles says they did? It says they fell flat on their faces, on their knees, prostrate to God, and began worshiping God. You say, well, I would never do that. If God's presence filled this place and fire came out there, <laughs> you can stand if you like. <laughs> we wouldn't say May we all stand or sit now? We'd be going. They were awesome by the power of God. And it caused a holiness to change their life forever. Now, what did that mean? It meant that this place, look down in verse 28. I won't read this for you, but 28 through 30, just quickly. It says a couple things. It says, this should be a place of prayer. When Solomon finishes his prayer... As he gets up, he says, God, hear us, hear our prayer. And when we come to this place and we turn our face to this place, you hear us and forgive us, God. So Jesus refers back to that. And these Jews knew that. So when you walked into this temple on that Passover time, the temple was to be a place where a holy God could fellowship with sinful man. You see, it was to be a place where you could come and the holiness of God would surround you and you being sinful, you could pray to God at this place and God would forgive you. Aren't you glad God forgives this morning? And it comes from prayer. And so Jesus said, you really ruined the temple. You've made it a joke place, a commercial place. It's lost its holiness. Now back to Mark chapter 11, verse 18. You can imagine when the chief priests and the religious rulers heard about Jesus' inspection and what he did. They were not happy. Look at verse 18. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him. For they feared him. Because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. So the minute the chief priests and the teachers, the religious leaders, got word that they'd been shut down... Now they really mad at Jesus. You see, he was so popular, they were mad. But now he was affecting their pocketbook. They said, we're out to get Jesus. And we know that that's exactly what happens that week. Notice something else that's very important. It says, the crowd was amazed at his teaching. Anytime you hear the word of God, if you're open to it, it should amaze you. It should speak to your heart. And these people couldn't believe the truth as Jesus taught. And they went, wow, this is what the temple's supposed to be used for. He, he is right. It, it is in the Bible. Wow. Now, 
Let me ask you a question. Since Jesus said that place was to be a place of prayer, we have two questions to ask ourselves. Number one is this. Is this church a place of prayer? Is this place, Calvary Chapel of Melbourne, not out of the end of the church, the church where you're attending, is this a place of purity, of power, and of prayer? How much and what kind of prayer comes from this church? It's amazing to me. I've always seen it true. It's never changed. I've been doing this a long time. My dad was a minister for 70-some years, and my grandfather for many years. I've never seen it change. A couple exceptions. You call a prayer meeting, it's the lowest attending meeting ever. If I said next Sunday morning, second service prayer meeting, probably 80% of you would not come. And that's because we don't have a clue what prayer means. But Jesus said to the people, my house is to be called a house of prayer. When we come to the disciples, it's interesting to me, the disciples don't go to Jesus after three and a half years and say, Jesus, tell us how to build a church. The disciples don't say to Jesus, what's the construction to look like? How many services should we have? Should we have a praise band, Jesus? Tell me how we do the finances. How do we do kids ministry, Jesus? They ask him none of those questions. How do we incorporate? Should we have a name? When time should we meet? They don't ask anything. The only thing that the disciples asked Jesus about ministry was one thing. And they said this to Jesus. Jesus, teach us to pray. Not to preach. Not to teach. But to pray. Should that say something to us? When the book of Acts is birthed in prayer, and that's how the church starts, that ought to say something to us. So I ask you, is this a place of prayer? Secondly, are you a person of prayer? Now that means, as you know, when Jesus Christ saves you, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. And 1 Corinthians tells me that I become then the temple of what? Of God. I'm actually the temple of God. So out of me, I'm a little... I'm a little microcosm of what you saw this morning. You don't look for where the court of the Gentiles is or whatever. That's all gone. And when Jesus established the church, all worship before that was centered, always based in the temple. That's where it was focused at. When Jesus came and died on the cross, all of that was spread. Every single individual now is a place of worship. You're a place of worship. Do you know that? You're a temple of God. He lives in you this morning. So we have to ask ourselves how much prayer is going on in my life. If you're a Christian this morning, you have to ask yourself that. Well, that brings us to a very important question, and it's this. Exactly, what is prayer? You say, well, that's a stupid question. I don't think so. Because I think it's too complicated for most people to understand. Because they've made it that way. Prayer is a two-way Conversation with God. Notice two-way. Prayer is simply talking and listening to God. It's not complicated. It's very easy. You see, when God created you, He didn't create you a robot. Okay, Mark, turn left, turn right, put money in, do this. God didn't do that. He created you a free individual. You can show today or not show today. It doesn't matter. We don't take role or whatever. You can give. You don't have to give. You just come and you worship. You can pray. You don't have to pray. He made you a free individual. The responsibility of that comes to me because he made you and I. Listen, every single person in this room this morning 
has been made with this outcome in mind, that you would become a son or a daughter of God. Now, is that awesome or not? If you accept Jesus Christ in your heart, become a son, if you're male, or a daughter, if you're female, of God. You're God's kids. And God wants to communicate with you, just like an earthly father does. Now, the problem we have with some of this is some of you had such poor images of earthly fathers, you struggle in that concept. But God is not like your earthly father. He is a perfect father. So if we look at prayer, and you know that God wants to communicate with you, I want to give you seven things quickly that prayer is not. Number one, prayer is not fancy words. Quite often I hear people say to me, well, I don't know how to pray. I've never prayed out loud. I don't know what you're doing. If you don't know how to pray, here's a very interesting way to learn it. Turn to any passage in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where Jesus and the disciples are talking. That's prayer. Jesus was God. Later we'll say Peter says to Jesus, well, Jesus, how did that tree get dead? That's prayer. It's conversation with God. So don't talk English if you're from America. Don't give us the King James jazz. God isn't interested in that. Oh, holiest, blessed, our stuff. He don't want that stuff. Now you're from New York and say, yeah, boy, you know, I, well, just use your New York language, you know, the bagel language, whatever, do whatever. Wherever you're from, if you're Southern, slow it out, man. That's who you are. Be who you are. Don't be weird. Be who you are. Number two, it's not vain repetitions. Now that hurts some of you because you came from a background where you memorized all your prayers. I'm not against memorized prayers, except in this case. For many who memorize prayers, they mean nothing. They roll off with nothing. Some of you haven't been upset in a long time. You could rip them off right now and nothing comes from your heart. It's not that they weren't good prayers. It's because they aren't from your heart. Now, unless you get proudful here and say, well, I came from a church that never had any memorized prayers. Watch some of our prayers. Spirit-filled churches can have prayers that sound just as rote and have zero effect because we're comfortable with them. Number three, prayer is not an attempt to push God around. God is not some kind of cosmic bellhop. Hello, ring a ding a ding a ding. Here's what I want. It's a story recently of a little boy at evening went into his bedroom and he prayed loudly. Lord bless mommy and daddy and Lord give me a new bicycle. His mother ran into the room quickly holding her ears and said, son, you don't have to shout. God is not hard of hearing. The boy answered, yes, mommy, I know, but grandma is and she's way down the hall. <laughs> See, he knew, he knew. God isn't like that. He's not your bellhop. Number four, prayer is not approaching God directly. We do not go to God directly. We go to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, when we study the book of Hebrews, you see that. He's our high priest. He's our intermediary. We pray in the name of Jesus. He's the one today who's interceding for you at the right hand of the Father. Number five, prayer is not a public exercise only. It is good to have times of corporate prayer, single prayers, prayer in small groups, whatever. But most of our prayer is really to be private. In fact, the Bible tells us we should go into our prayer closet and pray. 
It's a place where we don't show off. It's a place where we have intimacy with God. Number six, prayer is not only asking for things. That's what most people think prayer is. We will see that it's much more than that. And number seven, prayer is not a one-way conversation. It is not just talking to God, but it includes other aspects. Now let's look at the types of prayer. Man talking to God. Man talking to God. What are the three types? Well, let's look at them. First of all is worship. When you go to God and you have times of prayer in your car, at home, wherever, in the morning, at night, when you leave here, think about who he is. It's his character you're talking about. So when you walk out today and see the sky and the beautiful trees and you can see the awesomeness of this storm that's headed this way or whatever and realize the power of God just to control all that and tweak this way or whatever, can do whatever. I mean, when you think of the awesomeness and the character of God, you bless him, not for what he's done for you, but how awesome he is. That's prayer. That's worship. That's what they did on that day when his power came down. They didn't go out there and say, oh, by the way, now that your presence is here, God, you know, I could use a new whatever. They went, wow, God. And see, we've lost the holiness of God in this country. God means nothing to most people in this country. But God is a holy God. Secondly, petition. When I'm talking to God, it is okay to ask for things. God says in his word, ask, and he will give it to us. So to request something you need or want is fine, as long as it's in balance. Number three intercession. When you and I think about all the people that need God or need help, for instance, in this body this morning, there are many people that are undergoing surgery this week, cancer patients, all kinds of difficulties, people you don't know about marriages being on the brink of divorce and just disasters. Those people probably don't have enough faith to pray for themselves. Who's going to do it? You and I are going to do it. You see, this is a body. And that's why you, get to, you need to know people in this body. You shouldn't just come on Sunday morning, sit there in a pew, look at the person's head on the end, go home, come back next Sunday. Do it. You need to get to know people. You need to be small groups. So when we say this, we couldn't come up with a list of all the people that need help this week. We have no time to speak. So you need small groups and get to know people. And as you do that, you intercede for them. As you walk by your neighbor of your house who doesn't know God, they have no clue that they're lost. They don't know they're going to hell. They don't know that if they don't come and accept Jesus Christ personally because of his work on the cross, they're not going to be. They don't even know there is a heaven or hell. They're lost. So what do I do? I stand in their place. And I go to God and say, God, they're not here. They don't know it. But God's opened their eyes. You speak to them. You soften their heart. I want to know about God. You say, well, how'd that happen? That's because we've been interceding for people. It's not magic. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And most of our time should be in interceding. Secondly, and by the way, if you want to pray for something important during the week, as far as this church service, you pray for me. You pray for the pastors that speak here. Because when we turn to this passage, as we're just going through the book of Mark and 1 Kings, I need God's direction of what to speak. You see, there's so many ways to go. I mean, I have hours of stuff. It takes me usually 10 to 20 hours to do what I'm doing here. Studying and praying and finding out. And what I want to do is not what I want to say to you. You probably don't want to hear what I want to say to you. What you want to hear is what God wants you to hear. In today's message from Mark chapter 11, the priests and teachers were so upset with Jesus for highlighting their greed, they sought a way to kill him. But Jesus wanted to ensure that people had a way to communicate with God. Today we have Jesus as our intercessor, but we still have difficulty communicating with him sometimes. 
Pastor Mark began to outline some things to think about regarding worship, petition, and intercession in prayer. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will offer some valuable insights about prayer that Christians can immediately put into practice to enrich their prayer lives. Not only will we hear about the reasons for prayer, but the where, when, and how of it. You'll see that oftentimes we overcomplicate the issue. Ultimately, our faith in God will be the deciding factor when it comes to the fruitfulness of our prayer lives. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 